Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. We're interested in what it takes to keep everything going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. We consider the research, talk to experts, and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. I'm Jennifer Owens. I write about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And most days, I'm joined by my co-host, Raquel Ellison. Today, we're back for a special series, talking to guests about the challenges facing the sandwich generation, meaning those of us juggling kids, parents, and careers all at the same time. I know firsthand how complex family life can be and how it can change in an instant. I also know how hard it can be to prepare for the future, especially one that impacts our kids and our parents, let alone ourselves. Our guest today knows that too. Jake DeMarkin, thank you so much for sharing your sandwich expertise with us today. Thanks, Jennifer, for having me. So you are founder of, co-founder of Everyday Life Insurance, which is oddly a topic my spouse and I are talking about a lot these days, and it may be every day. So I am very, very glad to have you in the club today. So can we set the scene and kind of start out talking about what Everyday Life Insurance is, what the mission is, what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. And first, it really actually ties to the fact that you and your husband are, are, are talking about it a lot these days, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Mm. You know, life insurance has um, been around for a long time, but and yet still, it's a very complicated topic for a lot of folks. And it's difficult to find the help you need to make good decisions. And so our mission is very simply uh, to make it easy for anyone to get the life insurance they need. And the key word there is need, because there's a lot of agents and insurance companies out there that are happy to sell you whatever is on their agenda. But we really <laughs> are excited to, to help people just get what they actually need to protect their family. So your background is in financial services. And I know you've I've read you say that the life insurance industry is broken. So I'm particularly interested to hear kind of what you see with your experience and what do you mean by that? And especially for those of us in the sandwich generation between, you know, my kids growing into college tuition, which is now reality for me, and then my parents growing into their next chapter, how does the industry view me? Yeah, well, it's a great question. Um, and this gets to what I mean when I say the industry is broken. You know, what, what I mean by that is that you know, there's over 700 insurance companies out there today. There's over a million. What? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, just life insurance companies. There's over a million life insurance agents out there. <gasps> and yet use of life insurance by a regular everyday people and by that, I, to define it specifically, I mean the two thirds of U.S. households that are making less than a hundred grand. Use of life insurance among th those folks has dropped by twenty five percent over the last ten years, and that's shocking and horrifying to me because these are the people who need it the most. But yet, the industry has turned into one where the the, the focus is on, you know, helping. Uh, more affluent families kind of get a even more affluent. And that's all well and good. But, you know, we're, we're interested in helping the people who really need it the most, including, you know, folks like you're describing people with, with kids going into college and their, their own lives to think about yeah. and parents that are aging. You know, it's a very common situation. And, and unfortunately, 
the industry is just not focused on helping folks in that kind of situation get get the coverage they need. And so, you know, what we did was build a technology, a, a, an online platform that makes it super easy for anyone who needs to, to quickly evaluate their situation and find their ideal life insurance plan. You know, my life insurance situation is, and I'm sure everyone has to, <laughs> everyone wants yeah. to reveal their life insurance moment to you when they, when you meet them, is, so we got life insurance when we had, we were pregnant with baby number one, who is the one yeah. who's off to college now. And that was a big point of discussion. Like we knew like, okay, we're going to do that. We were offered term, 20 year term. And the first big discussion for us was how much money, you know, how much coverage do we need? And that was a real point of difference between what my husband thought we needed, which was less and me, I thought we needed more, but we were just guessing. I, no disrespect to the agent who helped us 20 years ago, but uh-huh. uh, I felt like we had to, you know, you have to figure it out for yourself, but yet I had, I had very little math knowledge to know how to, how to decide, I guess. And so am I alone on that regard? (laughs) No, not at all. And that's, that's why I, I, you know, we really focus on providing objective, trustworthy advice because it's not straightforward. And frankly, the, there are, you know, the rules of thumb that are out there are, I think are not that helpful. And it's really important to evaluate your individual situation. And the way that, that we recommend people approach it is for most folks, what, you know, the reason why they're getting it is to protect their dependents, right? In case right. something happen. And so if you think about it, what you're, you're really doing is one way to look at that is that you're replacing your income, you know, or for a stay at home yeah. parent, you're, you're replacing the support that you're providing. So I, you know, we recommend thinking of it as income replacement. And when you think about it that way, it, it actually offers an opportunity to get smarter coverage. And what I mean by that yeah. is, you know, very simply, you know, if you think about it, your, your needs are going to change over time. You know, as your kids grow up, you know, hopefully we all like to think our kids will eventually become self-sufficient. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. But yes. <laughs> You know, it's really more about, you know, get making sure that the coverage is in place so that if something were to happen in the time between now and when they are kind of, you know, launched and on their own, that uh, their needs are being met and that their, you know, standard of living and all the things you're hoping and, and wishing for, for them are not um, curtailed. And so the way that we look at doing that math, it can get complicated. That's why, you know, we built a tool to, for people to, to make it easy for people to evaluate. But if, you know, the basic approach is to think about, you know, how many years are perhaps remaining in your career, for example, and how much money you're making. And you can kind of multiply those two. So for example, if someone maybe is about 20 years away from retirement and they're making $50,000 a year, then you might think, okay, I need a million dollars worth of coverage right? 50,000 times 20 years. Mm -hmm. But where there's an opportunity, though, to kind of fine tune it a little bit. You know, if you think about that, if you were to do that math 10 years from now, you're going to get to a a different answer, right? It's 50,000 times a year. Right. And 
So there's an opportunity to get coverage that adjusts that way so that your needs are still being met, but in a more cost-effective way. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because we were making, so we, you know, we signed a policy. It was, it's for 20 years. And so you better try to figure out what you might need at year one to year 19. You know, like it's, it's going to be the same. Oh, adjusting. I like that. Yeah. And by the way, the first, I, I should have said that I think you guys absolutely did the right thing. I mean, I know it can feel weird as your policy is expiring and you're thinking, what do I do now? I wish I had bought something different back then. So I didn't have to think about this now. But the reality is you guys, I, I, we strongly advocate for term life insurance as opposed to a permanent life insurance. The reason is just in the math, the permanent life insurance costs generally about 10 times as much. And so, wow, yeah. So even though you might need to go back to the market and buy another policy now, and you may not, you know, it's worth looking at your situation before you make that decision. Even still, even though the rates are going to be higher for you now, in the long run, if you were to just, you know, do the math, you would see yeah, that yeah. you've saved a lot of money by taking the approach you're taking. Well, and so that's, you know, that's where this becomes the Help Jennifer uh, podcast. That's yeah. exactly where we are, that we are coming to, we have a couple of years to go because our baby is 18. And so we bought 20 year and that seemed, you know, very long, long into the future when we bought it. But we still have, you know, in, in terms of thinking of it, income replacement, and I'll tell you, life insurance is, oh, knowing that I had that, even in our most difficult financial moments, I have always felt insured and protected that if something happened to one of us, I knew the future was okay. You know, we could pay off the mortgage. We could get the kids through college on what we had agreed to for 20 years, but we still have another, we like to say seven years to go on Mm -hmm. college, not to mention 10 plus years to go on the mortgage uh, Mm -hmm. of a 30 year mortgage of so and so now I think I, what was I thinking that 20 years, like we weren't going to be done in 20 years, but I, ah. so, so now that's the decision and that's the information we, every time we dip our toe in to get that kind of information of what do you do next when you are in the middle, but you still have a ways to go. You're not, mm-hmm. I'm not really near retirement. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I like, so what is the, some of the questions you should be thinking about at this weird stage of the end of your first term life insurance. Yeah. Well, you know, one thing to think about is what what kind of assets do you have right now that could be used to, to meet this need? Like, for example, if you've been able to save some money for your retirement, that money, obviously, if, if you were to uh, unfortunately pass prematurely, you obviously wouldn't have a retirement to fund anymore. Oh, but yeah. That money... Right can be used for that need. So I think it's really worthwhile to, you know, we were talking about doing some quick and simple math before, but you then look at, you know, what kind of assets do you have that can offset? You just blew my mind. I never thought of that. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yes, right. And and this is kind of part of why I complain that the industry is broken because, uh, you know, it's not necessarily in an agent's uh, interest to point that out to you. Right. But it really has a dramatic effect on what you might actually need to buy, or maybe you actually don't even need to buy anything more. And 
Right. You know? That that we've created our own life insurance in a sense, but yeah. by his my partner's retirement and my retirement. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Okay. Right. You know, yeah, exactly. And I think it's really important. It takes a little bit of discipline, but I think it's really important to think about this as income replacement because you can start thinking like, you know, oh, my mortgage has another 30 years on it. But, you know, maybe you were planning on retiring and I'm just making this up for yeah. conversation, but let's say you're going to be retiring in, uh, you know, 15 years or something. You don't need to. I would like to think when you got that 30 year mortgage, you were, you had some thought about how you were going to pay it down after you retire. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, so don't worry about over protecting. You're protecting your income and just think right. about it that way. The other reason to do that is because, and this gets back to like a common selling tactic among agents, is that, you know, otherwise what starts happening is you, you know, for someone with maybe um, kids, as you start thinking about college expenses, but it's a ways off and you're not sure like how to estimate what that's going to be. The temptation is to think, well, my kid's going to Harvard. That's going to be $75,000 a year. It's a sticker a price. Minute. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So I mean, you know, that's going to be another $300,000 worth of coverage or something. And, and that's crazy because the reality is no one, you know, often very few people actually pay the sticker price for college. Right. And what you actually pay is a function largely of your income and your assets. So let's go back to income and worry about it from that perspective and not from all of the imaginary expenses we could possibly ever drum up. Right. And so as, uh, what are some of the, like the insurance? So if you decide like, oh, I've come to the end of my 20, seriously, um, asking for a friend who is me. If you are coming to the end of term, are there other products? I really, like, I seriously, to your point, we still, dip our toe in, we feel like the faucet of things come at us of like, and and that you have to figure it out. And yeah. So are there options to consider other than something that's a fixed term or that are good to keep an eye out for? Yeah. Okay. So let's, you know, or fixed term is the best way to go and we should, you know, like, but it should only be 10 years or, you know. Yeah. I mean, it comes, I, it comes back to the the need, you know. You just okay. we, we need to get get out of the mindset of like I always need to have insurance, and I should always just buy as much as I can afford. <laughs> okay, so I between you and me, this is something my mother has drilled into my head. Now it was was regarding health insurance, but I uh-huh. just take that word to every you know, like my mother's drill, drill, drill. Never, especially dental insurance. We have a lot of weird teeth issues in uh-huh. my family. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, I am completely predisposed that I cannot live without this insurance business. So yeah. yes, so now yeah. just so you know who you're talking to. Yeah, well, and we all, you know, are, are drawn to that in some way. And and the thing is, though, that's really important to remember is that this is you're buying protection, right? And this is a, a hedge, right? and in the worst case scenario. And so this is a little bit different than health insurance or dental insurance, where you know you're going to be using it. You know, yeah, right. This is a little bit different. This is a hedge against the worst case scenario. And the reason why it's really important not to buy more than you need is because most of us have a finite amount of money. And every dollar that we spend to protecting our standard of living through life insurance is a dollar that's not going to that standard of living. You know, do you know what I mean? Yes. Yep. You know, 
it, it's really important to get strike the right balance. And that's why we really emphasize what what is your need, you know? So the term to get back to the scenario of your friend. <laughs> Her name you know, is Enifer, yes. <laughs> right. right. You know, so the term is expiring, it's coming up, and you're thinking, gosh, you know, I you know, what should yeah. I do now? I think the first thing is to evaluate like what what do I why do I think I need more protection? And maybe it's because, oh, well, you know, my kids are uh, perhaps your friend has seven more years of, of college to think about. Or, you know, you, I've got parents who are starting to rely on me more and I need to think about them. Okay, so now or, or a spouse, right? Mm-hmm. That relies on, um, on my contributions to the household, as most do. Yep. So then the question gets back to, okay, I've established there's a need. Um, these are loved ones I want to protect. So now the, the question just becomes, well, what do I realistically think are, are, are how many working years do I have left? You know, mm-hmm. and you, you should be consistent across your plans. If you've been doing some retirement planning and, and saving, then whatever assumptions you put into that, you should be carried over. So, you know, maybe I projected that I was, yeah. So, you know, if you thought I was going to work till 65, I was going to work till 70, I mean, it's okay to be conservative, but I think it's good to have some basic assumptions that drive your plans. And it's great to be consistent across the plans. And so we decide, okay, well, it it gets kind of straightforward at that point. You know, okay, let's say I think I'm going to work till I'm I'm 70 and I'm 50 now. Well, look, that's 20 years, right? Right. So maybe there is a reason to think about, you know, like if there is a scenario where, well, we need to and I and I that income is going to be important, then I am still thinking in a mindset of income replacement or. Yeah. And considering all the, you know, and looking and what's the scenario, I'm the worst case scenario I'm thinking of, which is my partner passing, you know, like that's the worst case. And so. What would he bring or myself, of course, too. But what do we bring with the retirement? Oh, see, now all of a sudden, this is so much clearer to me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And or it's, um, you know, it's the insurance that we need in, in the larger sense of the world word is just knowing like that my daughter's financial aid is in place and set. And like we know it, we're able to pay that. It's, it, but yes, I, I get the income replacement of mindset kind of clarifies what we're trying to do here. As opposed to like, you know, I'm trying to do like a financial bubble wrap of, around right. me to, you know, right. like, yeah. so nothing will hurt me. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, none of those, whether it's, you know, co-signing a, a student loan or mortgage or none of those other financial commitments that you have, they were all provided to you on the basis of your ability to earn money. Yes. Right? And so that's what you are protecting, really. It's just the value of your career. Right. And my career is very valuable. I went into publishing. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's a joke for all the publishing listeners out there right now. <laughs> but, you know, well, the- yeah. I, it goes, so to that end, I'd love to hear about this adjusting of policies that adjust as your needs change. Like how in the world does that work? If I, the, yeah. h- how does it work? <laughs> yeah. This is, this is kind of the, 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 uh, the secret that the industry kind of doesn't want you to know in a way. I mean, I don't mean to be disparaging the whole industry. It's, you know, 
we've got as life insurers, a, I believe, a very noble purpose. It's just um, we're not doing a good job of actually helping people who need it. And one way that plays out is these techniques that uh, you know a high-priced fi- um, financial planner might bring to the table, but the rest of us who don't have access to a high-priced financial planner yeah. could benefit from. An example of that is a policy that adjusts. So mm. this is something anyone can do. You don't need, um, it's not some special secret. I, before everyday life, when I went to buy some life insurance for myself, I did exactly what I'm about to describe. We just said everyday life, we, we just made it easier for people to do this. But yeah. the idea is if we go back to that scenario we talked through a few minutes ago, someone's making $50,000 a year, they've got 20 years they want to cover. So that means today they need a million dollars worth of coverage. But that also means that in 10 years, they only need half a million dollars worth of coverage. Right. So, you know, a real simple way to do this would be to buy two policies. One is a a 20-year for half a million, and the other is a 10-year for half a million. So that means for the next 10 years, you've got a million dollars worth of coverage. And then for the 10 years after that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Then it falls away and you're, you've halved that. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah. And and the thing is that not only, obviously, your costs step down significantly, you know, after 10 years, but it actually saves you money today, too. So, I mean, on this typical approach, you know, we'll save, you know, our customers maybe, uh, let's say, a couple hundred dollars in the first year. And um, overall, we cut the cost in half, which for our customers could be five to $10,000, which is real money. You know? Yeah, real money. Yeah, for sure. If you think more broadly about your finances, if you were able to invest that money and have compound, you know, returns. Yeah. It's the seed for, you know, you could do a lot with that money beyond even just paying the bills that are always there ever present. So yeah, no, I, yes, five, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, and the other thing uh, I've mentioned is that it's getting to that point about what else you could be doing with the money. I think if folks listening to this take away just one piece of advice, it is to really think of the life insurance as protection only, to not commingle your investments and your protection products. I think that's very, very important because a lot of life insurance is unfortunately marketed as a way to build. Uh, I never understood it. That is my big secret I'm revealing. I've never understood those. We didn't go down that road because I, 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 I don't get what this is. I don't get it. That's why we did term in that. It's like, yeah. I understood what the concept was and this is what we're doing. But yes, the right. investment version, like what? Yeah. And, 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 and by the way, you're, you're in good company. I, I had uh, lunch recently with the chief operating officer of a big, big insurance company who, who told me the exact same thing that you just did. Really? Yes. And these are very complicated products. And, you know, I think it goes back to a very basic rule that our parents taught us, which is if you don't understand something, walk away. You know, I, if it doesn't- I could not agree more. I covered um, the SEC for 10 years and was yeah. a financial reporter. And that was one of the lessons I learned was the best performing companies are the ones where I could read their financial reports and say, get it, got it, 
you know, you're you're taking this debt and you're investing. Like I get it. So and and yet I do feel uh, I I would always appreciate it for major companies, but when it came to my own personal, I do feel sort of like. I should understand it. There must be something I'm not getting and it's, it's on me. And, and yeah. yeah I know I you're, you're made to is. feel dumb or inadequate yeah. and, that, and that's what really upsets me about the industry and why I, I dove in to start everyday life was because I could just see that there's so much, I don't like the way it's marketed. Life insurance is a really important product, but it's just missing the mark. And I saw an opportunity to help people. And that's what, really gets us excited at Everyday Life. Well, we will for sure link to Everyday Life in our show notes. So if you are looking for more information on Everyday Life Insurance, you can find it there and make it easy to check it out. So thank you so much for joining us on The Breadwinners. I encourage you to email us anytime at thebreadwinnerspod at gmail.com or visit us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. Please remember to subscribe and to rate and review us. It really helps us grow. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.